Welcome to this week's edition of the Wispy Mob Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. I'm your host, Todd, middle initial C. Walker. Yes, that's right, it's me. And we have just listened to the instrumental titled Salamanders by Doug Allen Wilcox, who's a good friend of mine, and he's been a singer-songwriter in the greater Frederick, D.C., Baltimore, Hagerstown, you name it, Western Maryland, kind of mid-Atlantic for a long, long time. He doesn't look like he's been doing it for a long, long time, but he has been doing it a long, long time. He was one of the first singer-songwriters who actually told me that I was a songwriter and because I felt like I wasn't, and he was gave me like that pat on the back, and it allowed me to then become a better person performing and sing, singing and songing. So uh, he's sitting across the uh, the dining room table from me, Doug Allen Wilcox. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. I do have a question and we may have discussed salamanders on our last podcast, but I don't recall specifically mm-hmm. whether we did. Right. What CD was that on? <sighs> that was on my very first ever CD, which came out in the year 2000, I think. Uh, it was 99, 2000, that, that time frame. Um, that features... Um, I had been working with with a a band, a bunch of friends at that point for for years, uh, and uh, they provided uh, the role of session. They were the the role of session musicians for that. Uh, so that that song features uh, J T. Leopards on all the pretty melodic guitar. Um, I'm playing the backup guitar. As I recall, the percussion on that song is me playing a uh, coffee can, because <laughs> that's what we did back in the day. <laughs> now, was that a doodle that turned into a song? Uh, most of my songs are doodles that turn into songs. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. <laughs> so when does a guitar player decide at what stage in a doodle does he decide he or she decide that it's going to become a tune i i think i think everybody operates differently to to some degree or another um i normally at any given time have probably four or five six different doodles hanging around um and for me, the music, because of that, the music generally comes first. So if something seems like it wants to be more, uh, uh, we'll say that, um, then I'll usually start thinking about lyrics. So, uh, yeah, and I, I think if, if I recall your question, by, it's morning. Um, Usually those little those little snippets will tell me what when they're ready to to progress. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if that makes sense. No, it does. And what did you ever listen to Salamanders and say, "Gosh, I should put some lyrics to that one"? Ah, um, not that song in particular, although that has happened with other instrumentals, um, in part because. I'm not a terribly prolific songwriter, and so sometimes there's a vehicle for creating mm-hmm. a new piece of work, you know, add lyrics to it, to an existing song. Um, not not with that particular song, though. I kind of like that song, and I, I don't listen to it nearly enough because it's, it's old at this point. <laughs> well, you know, the wonderful thing about instrumentals 
in my humble opinion, is they're timeless. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. Because lyrics mm -hmm. sometimes can bring in what is happening in the, the day that, or the time period they're Absolutely. written. Absolutely. And so they become sort of like 1960s movies almost, mm -hmm. where you watch it and you think, gosh, I really loved this when I was younger. Why do I not love Because it's <laughs> such a period piece and clothing sure. and cars and all that kind of right, stuff and the way right. they did things. But right. that is a wonderful piece. I love it. Oh, and that's you. why I wanted to lead into it. Okay. Um, but we're actually here to discuss Doug's new CD, mm -hmm. which is titled Dancing on Thin Air. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious why you titled it that. <sighs> um, I think to, to, to me, the title uh, speaks about uncertainty. Um, there's, a, there's certainly a sort of... Uh, freedom implied there uh and that's that's one part of it uh but i think it also speaks to uncertainty and uh after the past year and a half um i don't know i think some people have have probably been able to jump back into their lives at this point and i'm still sort of shuffling around on the periphery i'm not quite sure where or how to jump back into my life. <laughs> <laughs> so the thin air is actually almost like eggshells in a way. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, you know, it, it is, with, with, with a lot of things I create, I, 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 I try and let other people decide for themselves what it means. Mm -hmm. but, but if you ask me, that's what I'm getting. And for those folks who have not heard Doug before, either out and about live or in the podcast which we did about a we year did. ago uh, yeah we did it might even be a little I more than that. that time yes that's that is correct mm -hmm. the um and i forgot what point i was going to bring up on that <laughs> but the uh oh i know what i wanted to ask you and we did discuss this the last time how do you go about recording okay um yeah we did we did and i and i probably uh went into far too uh, far too deep a technical aspect because I tend to do that. Um, I often, to, to, to preface that, uh, I'm actually working with a friend uh, to, to write a song, and he had asked me about uh, coming over and adding parts. And I feel embarrassed, but I always feel that my setup is so primitive, uh, and it is as compared to other people's home setups. But um, I have a little, uh, I've got one condenser microphone at this point, um, a little interface, and uh, I had been actually recording to uh, an iPad. Um, I've switched over a little bit and, and are just recording to a laptop. Um, but I'm going, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, Going mic into interface uh, into the laptop, which now I'm using Logic on on uh, uh, a Mac laptop, and that's it. And uh, and a lot of what happens, uh, my my basic thing is to get clean sound down, uh, and then everything else happens inside the box, so to speak, mm -hmm. uh, using. Uh, native plugins uh in the daw and uh the digital uh workstation and uh so it's 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 real real basic and i feel 
I feel embarrassed having anybody else into the studio. I just, I don't do it. Uh, uh, but I, I, I spend a lot of extra time doing it, and because I'm my own engineer, engineer uh, in, in these cases, I spend a lot of extra time, uh, but I normally have the time to spend, so it, it's okay. It's, it's, always a, um, it's always a journey making a new record. Um, especially now, for me. For those folks who are not recording people. Yeah. I mean they they like recordings but they don't actually record. Right. Logic is the oh. more elaborate version of GarageBand if I'm not mistaken. Somewhat, not if if you're familiar with GarageBand uh, which I had used exclusively for years, mm -hmm. um, you can probably figure out Logic and yes, uh, it's it's a little bit of an upgrade it happened to come on the laptop mm -hmm. uh, that I that I currently have so that's how I got into it. Um I'm not utilizing, I'm only utilizing a fraction of logic at this point because my head is still sort of in GarageBand, which, which is most people with a musical background or, or some sort of, you know, if you've played around with, with tape machines or whatever, you can probably figure out GarageBand. You know, it's really pretty simple. And, and the basics, like you say, the basics of Logic uh, are, are that still. Uh, uh, so it's, uh, it's doable. Uh, I'm, no, I'm no whiz as far as uh, audio engineer or anything, but, uh, you know, you spend some time with it. You know, what does this do? What does this do? And uh, you can, you can well, figure it out. Well, the... And I have played around with GarageBand because okay. it's in my new iMac. Yeah, okay, yeah. And I did buy the um, Scarlett, whatever it is, bundle where you've got the condenser mic and the preamp and oh, everything. Okay, sure, yeah. And that was after chatting with Sammy Johnson, Sammy J. Okay. Because that's what she uses. Because I asked her, what's your setup like? And she right. sets it up and, and she just goes into Logic uh -huh. on her laptop, uh -huh. just like you're doing. Right. And she had gotten a really clean sound. Okay. And I was like very impressed. So yeah. I purchased, and I've only tried it a couple times, really just more for instrumental right. so that I could have something on the, my mixer here. And I yeah. can't remember which button it is or I'd play it <laughs> so you could hear it. And it was one take. Okay. But what I did was I did, well, I did two takes uh -huh. left and right channel. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has a little bit of that. Sure. You know, like when you double a vocal. Right organically not just with the computer right so the timing's a little off you're whatever yeah create space yeah but i have read articles by songwriters who have uh, performed and released really a highly acclaimed mm -hmm. cd mm -hmm. slash albums mm -hmm. and when they're interviewed they say well how did you go about what recording studio oh i have a little setup in my house yeah. what do you use garage bands right so you can produce a oh, yeah. highly professional oh, yeah. sound from GarageBands. And, of course, Logic, from what I understand in my limited knowledge of it, it just has more of everything. Mm -hmm. You can do more mm -hmm. of There's more plugins. Mm -hmm. There's um, So for someone like me, GarageBands is like the ultimate. That, that's like Pro Tools to the average person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it does work. And it, it, being in the digital domain... Um, really so much more is possible and like you say clean sound mm -hmm. it's it's uh uh digital gets denigrated a lot by by audio enthusiasts but um i i think the ability to produce wonderful music is is 
is much simpler now than it ever was. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Now, where is your studio? Did you, did you just take a room in the house? In my office. It's not. Um, I have a little corner that I do. Um, I do videos in. I you know the the whole shebang. It's. Uh, I, I have a little a little background set up, but uh, my office is not um, set up in any way, shape, or form uh, with with soundproofing or any of that nature. Uh, so I, I kind of get what I get. But now, do you have like curtains on the windows and a carpet or anything? Um, no, uh, it's it's bare wood floor with with uh, I've got one little carpet up there. Uh, I do have some shades. There's not a whole lot of um, you don't get a lot of reverb naturally. Well, um, I don't seem to. Mm -hmm. I don't seem to. Now here again, other people may listen to my recordings and go, "Oh, <laughs> there's this, this, and this." I'm not hearing. You know. I don't hear it. That's well, why I was I was kind of curious. I was wondering if you had those foam panels somewhere. No, no, yeah. nothing like that personally. Um, and and maybe I'm just lucking out. I, I, I don't know. Uh, like I say, I, right now I'm kind of recording into a corner. I was, uh, and I think on this record, um, was actually just had the mic facing out into the room. Mm -hmm. um, so if if I'm not getting uh audio artifacts of any sort uh r room reverb or anything like that uh it's probably just by luck <laughs> mm -hmm. you know you mentioned videos and then you're talking about the small little corner of yeah, the room yeah and josh gray who we both know sure. who now lives in nashville he's been doing videos mm -hmm. uh covid unfortunately um took his job away right yeah and so he's been concentrating at least I think he still is concentrating on the music and not working uh -huh. anywhere, uh -huh. but it has allowed him time to set up a little video studio. Right. And he said, Todd, it's nothing big. It's a closet. Right. Basically it has a window behind him, <laughs> but you can't tell that mm -hmm. in the videos. Mm -hmm. And so many, I watch a lot of these videos on how to set up a oh, podcast yeah. or how sure. to set up a video cast. Right. And they show you the professional video. And then there's a camera behind the camera showing the setup and there's there's a big sheet on the right hand oh, side yeah. to reflect light yeah there's gaff gaffer tape everywhere or duct tape holding uh -huh. this up and this up and there's a you know an old light bar you know and it's, it's almost like in a warehouse but it's not in frame so you don't know. you don't see it <laughs> and that's so many of the news broadcasts because i used to do television back in the yeah. 70s and the 80s so many of the sets for the news broadcasts are <sighs> about the width of a dining room table mm. And there's nothing else around them. It's right. it's just a set, but yeah. to us watching, it looks like this huge sure. Sure. studio. Anyway, yeah. well, and 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 these days, uh, and especially because of Zoom, um, I know there's technology you can set up a green screen, a, a yeah. fake digital background that looks like anything. That's correct. Uh, you know, crazy. <laughs> yeah, Rob Hinkle. When I interviewed yeah. him, mm -hmm. and he is now kind of the guru on oh, how yeah. to get good sound on Zooms and stuff. He right. gets asked by people all over the country, maybe all over the world, yeah. to coach them on how to how to improve it. Right. And that's just from him trying to make what he was doing sound better. <laughs> sure. So, figure it out. <laughs> anyways, let's go back to the to the C D. Okay. And as I mentioned to you off mic, I've recorded these in reverse order to mm -hmm. the way they are mm -hmm. on the C D. The fourth song, well, the third song we're not going to play because, yeah, unfortunately, right. due to copyright um, laws, but it's Buckets of Rain. Mm -hmm. 
I'm just curious, why did you add that to the CD? Because I know you do cover songs. You do Dylan and you do, um, well, I know, know you do a yeah, lot of people, yeah, but uh, yeah. Van Morrison's another one you've right. covered before. Um, this CD, I, I mentioned all my recording projects are, are, are journeys, and, and they always go somewhere unexpected. Um this probably more so than ever, and it's only four songs this time. Um, a lot of how this CD turned out has to do with uh, COVID lockdown and how my life went over over that period of time. Um, we were talking off mic uh, uh, about... Um, things that had kept me distracted <laughs> over the past year and a half and um i did i didn't i wasn't playing at all for quite some time uh early into lockdown i did a few um did a few online concerts short little concerts um and so i was kind of keeping in practice and then a bunch of different things happened and the guitar stayed in the case and i didn't sing and uh, so I had gotten, by the time I was feeling like it was time to, to get back into playing, uh, e- you know, even in the house here again, and I felt like I wanted to record something again, I was way, way out of practice. So uh, I, started, I started fiddling with recording and and uh, and figuring out what songs I wanted to play and wrote one or two new ones and uh, but I was discovering I'm not what happened to my voice I it's it's just not there <laughs> I'm, I'm getting older and my voice had been declining anyway but I, I wasn't able to hit any of the notes that I was used to hitting uh, uh, guitar playing was was coming back but uh, so, so long story short, um, I probably had at least seven songs set aside uh, to record for this record, and there were just several of them that just were not working because I couldn't, I'd spend weeks trying to get a good vocal part, couldn't get it, couldn't get it. So you're telling me you didn't want to do a Tom Waits album? <laughs> Well, there's the thing, you know, my voice may be gravelly, but it's not cool gravelly. <laughs> it just sounds like crap. So <laughs> so the so the Dylan song, um, I think in part, uh, that was a new arrangement. I actually, actually have never played that cover song in a live situation. I don't ever. think I'd ever heard you no, play it. No, yeah. no, no. But it's something that's kind of been in the back of my mind for a long time. Uh, and so it was, uh, honestly, it was just something easy. And it, it filled out a spot on the record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had never recorded. I've, I've recorded cover songs, but they've always been by... Uh, by friends of mine, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, folks spread out all, all over the country, perhaps, but you know, uh, acquaintances, and the deal has always been: sure, you can record that, no problem, just do it, and you know, uh, if 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 I get some royalties from it, fine. Uh, this is the first time that I actually had to pay to license a song. Um, and that was a new experience and a different experience. And well, um, explain that to people who. Because there are people who listen to the podcast mm-hmm. who are not musicians. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. And they're not people who've ever recorded. So 
when we talk about licensing and right. so forth, they right. have no... Right. Well, I, I, some may, like me, have very little knowledge of how that goes about. So explain that. Okay. Um, as a songwriter, uh, you're creating a, a piece of work that is... It, there's a dollar figure attached to that. Uh, <laughs> in, in, in our culture, uh, that concept is lost very <laughs> often. But, but nonetheless, you, you, have, uh, you have spent your time and expertise to create a piece of work that, that has a dollar amount attached to it. Uh, so you, you copyright your piece of work um, with the Library of Congress. And from there on out... If someone else wants to use your creation, they have the freedom to do that, but they need to pay you for it. Um, and we're, not, we're talking small amounts of money, you know, uh, pennies or fractions of pennies uh, per usage, so to speak. Um, a guy like Bob Dylan in this case, because... So many people want to use his music. He's making more money than, than many. But um, they have made it... Um, so, so in licensing, uh, you contact uh, an entity. It used to be much, much more difficult. Now, there are plenty of online resources, one of which I used, and I can't remember the company uh, off the top of my head. But... Um, they do the heavy lifting for you. In other words, they contact the publisher and they, they take care of uh, the paperwork. Um, you tell them uh, about how many uh, downloads or copies of CDs or what have you you think you're going to produce with that song on it, and they have a price list. Uh, and so you, you pay your money and... Um, you get to use the song. They take care of all the legal work. Uh, so it, it's uh, it's much simpler than it ever was uh, in the past. Um, but and so I, I I guesstimated. I don't sell a lot of CDs. I guesstimated, you know, how many downloads this song might get, how many CDs might sell. Um, and in this case, then you're you're sort of responsible for your own paperwork. Uh, um, tax-wise and whatever, uh, if uh, if you sell more CDs than you've told them mm -hmm. you're responsible for paying for another round, so to speak, or whatever. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, much, much simpler, but uh, this just ensures that um, the creator of, of the piece of art will see some remuneration. Um, now, in the scheme of kind of our level of, mm -hmm. and people who don't know us who are listening, mm -hmm. our level would be more local, regional. Mm -hmm. Occasionally we stray mm -hmm. a little bit more. Mm -hmm. uh, live performances would be, you know, farm breweries, coffee houses, yeah. wineries, right. um, maybe special events, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we're not out there performing three times a week. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be one or two times mm -hmm. a month on average. Mm -hmm. The, we might sell, if we get an order of 100 CDs, we might sell 10 and give away 90. Mm. So in the range of that context, what would be, on, and again, you can only speak from experience, but what would be kind of a, a, a cost value in a range maybe someone would have to pay to, to license or to, to use someone's song? I can tell you what, um, I, I think I said it 
initially, just to give a number, I think I set it at at uh, 50 C. I think it was 50 CDs and 50 downloads. Mm-hmm. So, so there's 100 possibilities for that song of getting out. And I believe I paid like $50. Okay, so, so it is affordable. It is affordable. Yeah. It is affordable. Not for Kenny Chesney. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay. He he, you know, he can sell enough CDs to cover the cost. I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> or anybody like that. Well, let's play some of this music. We tell me the first one we're going to play is a little luck and a little mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. What's the whole background on this one? That song, um, that's a brand new song, and that's one that I've never played played out because I haven't played out since this recording. Um, that kind of came to me uh, every now and then there's a song that that sort of flies out of the ether and 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 hits paper and is is essentially done in an hour and uh, that's kind of where this song uh, uh, how this song happened um, I'm looking at this tune as um, as a hopeful sort of song and and there are uh, at least obtuse references, if not direct references, to um, coming out of a traumatic situation mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and being hopeful. So I I, I think that's where we're. Well, let's from uh, listen while everyone else does. Okay. Been a long hard road, and I thought I lost my way. Many storm over now. I'm here to say. Coming back and pushing through Ready for what I'm supposed to do A little luck and a little time All my troubles gonna work out fine Friends and neighbors, they've had hard times too Walking on the street, I don't know what to do. I said, Listen up to the universe, gonna tell you what you need to know the most. A little luck and a little time, all your troubles gonna work out fine. Little luck and a little time All our troubles gonna be just 
that that's right every once in a while i do <laughs> you know and it's it it always takes me by surprise and it is it is a cool and i'm trying to think of where does that come from i mean um is it like not knowing that you're finished and so you don't know what to do and go that's right or is it or is it something you heard one time someone else do and decided yeah, i'm going to incorporate because that sounds cool i probably heard somebody else do it but <laughs> no i think um I get on my own nerves sometimes. Um, I think if you if you took all my recordings from the last ten years and played all of them, you'd find little bits like that <laughs> spread mm-hmm. just repeated spread throughout songs. Um, it just things pop out of my mouth, you know. <laughs> well, I do have a question as to how you mix that. I noticed that your percussion is predominantly in the mm-hmm. left channel. Mm-hmm. Is there a reason for that? Not particularly. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm not sure if there is proper method. Uh, I don't know that there is proper method uh, uh, um, for for any sort of mixing. Um, what I do, other than other than keeping the lead vocal in the center always, um, and I've heard I've heard professional recordings that for whatever reason had the lead vocal off center yeah. and it works and that's fine um but but i usually keep the lead vocal in the center i usually pan uh the acoustic guitar which for for me is the basis uh the basic instrument for all my all my songs uh, that's how they're written and uh, and the guitar starts first so i have uh, uh that panned a little bit right and left um Everything else, I just play with until it feels right to mm-hmm. me. Um, for folks who are not fami- familiar with recording, um, you do have to be careful when you're mixing a song. Sometimes uh, a particular sound of a voice, an instrument, percussion, whatever, the frequencies of that sound can interfere with the frequencies of other sounds, and those frequencies can cancel out, and you're not you end up not getting the the best sound. Basically, you end up not getting the best sound. So you have to play around with placement, with panning, and uh, put things not only so that they they just sound good to your ear, but so they're not canceling out every uh, other other sounds the the goal is to have every sound that you play be separate in the mix somewhere uh, uh, you may not it, it may not jump out at you but it's in uh, in actuality separate in the mix um, and and so that's what I try to do um, I'm in no way shape or form an expert at this I've just well but the end result is pleasing I hope so. Yeah, that, that's the hit on the CD. That's in my humble opinion, because it's got that, and it's the gist of the song is almost a dad talking to his child, oh, who's okay. in that, you know, that kind of what we used to call junior high, which is now called middle school. Yeah. Of, you know, I'm never going to be able to, you know, dad, it's not going to, no, you know, with a little luck and a little time, 
anything like, can happen. I like that take. I, I that's that had escaped me, but I like that take. So it's um, with the caveat being a little luck has some work underneath it too. Oh yes, you know, but we don't we don't <laughs> tell them that at the time. We're just gonna right. Now I'm curious. You've got the percussion, which is yeah. you're very good at percussion. Um, is that your djembe or your? Um, that that's that uh, particular song was brushes on on djembe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is again one of my <laughs> one of my things, one of my standard fallbacks. Well, and you have been requested by many performers mm. in the live situation to play percussion. Yeah, I have. I've sat I've sat in with a number of folks. Um, uh, over the years, well, I've played a couple of full concerts with a gentleman by the name of Tom Prasada Rao, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, has some uh, some renown. Um, I've uh, sat in uh, at concerts with um, Pierce Pettis, a um, gentleman who doesn't receive near the recognition and, and actually doesn't tour so much anymore. Uh, LJ Booth, I've, I've sat in with him in concert. Uh, a, a number of people. Um, percussion has always just been something, I don't work terribly hard at that. It's always just been something fun for me. Uh, I guess I've always had uh, uh, a decent se- uh, sense of rhythm and... Uh, were you the kid in the family where mom would say, stop tapping the table? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember having a set of plastic bongos when I was, um, I don't know, uh, somewhere between, you know, seven and nine, ten, somewhere in that age range. Had a pla- uh, uh, some plastic bongos. Uh, my parents bought me a, um, and I would have been, three or four maybe something like this bought me a set of uh, a full kit of drums um and i'm pretty sure they had like tin cymbals and cardboard heads mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so there's been some sort of percussion going in you know uh, 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 pretty much my whole life um and you're also known as a harp player or har- i harp. still call it a harmonica player yeah. a lot of yeah. other people yeah. call it harp especially if it's associated with the blues yeah was that I mean, the the percussion is something I've learned that people either have it or they, they can learn it to a mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. But those who have it can pretty much, like you said, not have to work too difficult, right. hard at it. Right, right. How about harmonica? Was that something that you always played as a kid because someone had one? Um, I was given, and, you know, looking back, I'm not quite sure how or why this worked out, Uh but uh, apparently my, my parents were encourage, encouraging some sort of musicality. Um, my father had been a rhythm guitar player in, in a 50s rock and roll band for about a minute. You know, it, uh, <laughs> they, they went to, I, I think they went to Ocean City, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And back in the day, you could record... Um, you could record your own music in in a little booth mm-hmm. straight to a 45 record wow. and, and they did that you know a couple of cover songs i think um uh but but that that band ne- never really went uh much of anywhere but that <laughs> that's the musical background i have you know which is so it's not a whole lot um but but looking back my parents seem to be encouraging some sort of musicality in my in me um the harmonica came about, I was 
14, I think, maybe a little younger. And I don't remember asking for it, <laughs> but I got a, um, a Honer. Uh, it was called an echo harmonica. Had a whole a whole bunch of extra reeds, so you could you couldn't really play blues on it. Mm -hmm. uh, two rows of reeds. Um, it sounded a little more like an organ. You right. know, you play full chords on the on the thing. But that was my introduction to harmonica, and uh, at some point, I guess I started getting my own diatonic harmonicas, which is is what one normally plays for blues uh 10 notes uh 20 sounds mm -hmm. uh, you know drawing uh blowing out, out and drawing in um and i'm totally self-taught on that then it was just a matter of, of doing it and uh that's the story of my life as far as music goes really is is fooling around with things and figuring out how it works <laughs> well for the uninitiated me included mm. although i have learned from mm -hmm. harmonica players mm -hmm. is when i went out to purchase a harmonica right. thinking i was going to learn how to play harmonica on a rack okay, while i yeah. played sure so i could do that like the bob dylan's of the world yeah. you know and i say well most of my songs are in the key of c so i went out and bought a c harmonica oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it sounded horrible oh so what did i do wrong <laughs> Um, I'm not sure because th there are two general methods of, of playing harmonica uh, to accompany a song. In one case, you do what you were doing. You, you, you play the harmonica that's in the key of the song. Now, that's, uh, that's called, uh, for want of a better term, straight harp. You know, you're, you're playing... Um, you're not doing any bluesy notes. You're not. You're not bending notes. You're. You're pretty much just playing a melody mm -hmm. uh, uh, with the key of the song. Um, blues is generally played in a harmonica that's keyed um, five steps away, uh, and that's generally called cross harp. You'll you hear that referred to as cross harp, uh, and that's where you get into bending notes and 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 playing blue notes, so to speak. Um, but so without hearing what you were doing, I can't tell you what was wrong. It sounds User like error. it should have been right. User, User error, error, big time. <laughs> well, let's move on so Todd doesn't embarrass himself much more. Let's play what is actually the second cut yes, okay. on the CD, okay. which I'm playing second mm -hmm. in reverse, well, but it's it, in the middle it still. Works, yeah. And it's I Know the Night. Mm. And what's the, the, the brief kind of summary of this one? There, there is a story with that. Um, my friend Ron Goad, and this has been a couple of years ago at least now. Well, we were still, we were still, everyone was still playing out regularly at that point. Um, without going into too much detail, I guess Ron and I both have uh, uh, a little history with uh, sometimes being in the dumps, um, so to speak. So, so. Uh, he uh, he sent me a Robert Frost poem called Acquainted with the Night, which is basically um, about depression. And it was a favorite poem of his, and I really loved the poem. And uh, here again, it came pretty quickly. The, uh, I, I don't, I, I quote a lot of the poem verbatim. Uh, I, I made up some of my own... Uh, twists to to turn into a song but um 
the the short story is I, I wrote a song uh, based on that poem, Acquainted with the Night, and it's it's my song here, I Know the Night. So uh, let's listen. Yeah. Oh, I know the night. I have walked out in rain and back again. I have outwalked the furthest city line. I know. I know a lot of people are going to ask, what guitar are you playing? On this record, <laughs> um, <clears throat> you, you've been a friend of mine for a long time, and, and you know well, <clears throat> pardon me, um, I've owned numerous guitars in my life. <laughs> it was a sickness for a while. Um, so, so I will answer your question, but uh, right now I, I, I've I've gotten it down, and and these are my guitars, uh, and and have been for a while now. Um, I have a Rain Song OM, which is a, a carbon fiber guitar. However, I happen to uh, uh, over the course of the pandemic, um, uh, a friend of mine in California uh, had a guitar for sale that. Uh, just really hit my eye and it was 
at at enough of a good price that I could buy it. So uh, uh, the guitar, the uh, album was recorded with a Larravee Double um, O. Uh, 40 series, which is their uh, traditional series. So this is sort of Larravee's nod to um, a Martin-style double O. And that, that's what I used on, on uh, uh, every tune here. I tried the Rain Song on a couple of songs um, and ended up going back to the Larravee for, for everything. So Now, why? what didn't work? well with the rain song as opposed to the Larravee um, that you didn't like or didn't want to use? I'm not certain in retrospect. Uh, they have different sounds. Um, the Larravee is a little more chimey and a little, while it has a a decent bass and especially for live, the, the bass is, is more than adequate. I, I think I liked... I don't know. I just like the tone better on the Larravee. Uh, for being a small, a relatively small body guitar, this particular guitar has a has a pretty decent bass response. And it's a very nice round one. It's not yeah, yeah, muddy yeah. in the least. Yeah, yeah. And I finger pick everything these days, uh, which, um, from a recording aspect, <clears throat> keeps. Um, Tends to keep the sound pre- pretty clean and pretty round mm-hmm. and, 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 and neutral. So, yeah, yeah. And you do all your own harmonies. I do. I do um, ever since um, my last time recording out of house, with recording in someone else's studio, was probably, hmm, I don't know, I'm going to say 2007, maybe maybe a little uh, later than that um, and, and I did uh, I did hire one or two people for recordings at that time but uh, since I've been recording at home uh, because of space considerations because of budgetary con- considerations um, I, I do everything myself. So there are limitations. Uh, I, I can't have the pedal steel guitar that I had had on some previous mm-hmm. songs. Uh, I don't play that instrument. Um, so, but everything that ends up on the record is me. Um, and that's, uh, you know, that's sometimes good, sometimes bad, but it is what it is. Uh, I tend to like, um, this record is not terribly produced in terms of, of, of layers and layers of sound, but it's probably the most produced record I've done in some time. Uh, I, I tend to like stripped-down, simple recordings anyway, so uh, that's what I'm able to get. <laughs> well, if you're playing solo shows yeah. and people enjoy listening to you as right. a solo right. and they wish to take some of your music mm-hmm. home with them... Mm-hmm. It's probably best to have a CD like this one where the mm-hmm. production is somewhat minimal. Mm-hmm. I purchased a, a CD from someone back in the old Snafu days, a fellow sure. from out of Massachusetts. Right, he had right. a great sound. And I thought, gosh, I'd like one of his CDs. So mm-hmm. I met him in the back of the room, and he mm-hmm. was on his way out. And I said, I'd love to buy one of your CDs. Oh, terrific. Okay, yeah, that's $15. I handed him the $15, and I'm looking at the CD. He says, you probably won't like it, because that's me with a full band rock and roll. Oh. And off he went. And I'm thinking, 
well, I may still like it, but that's not why I purchased your CD. Uh-huh. I would have liked to have known that before you <laughs> said 15 and then accepted it and put it in your pocket. Exactly. <laughs> so I like it when performers have a mixture. Mm-hmm. Either they only have something like this, and mm-hmm. I say only, that minimizes, and I don't mean that at all, but so that the, the people taking the music home get an accurate reproduction of what they heard sure. live. Maybe a little sure. more polished because mm-hmm. in studio there's more right. control. But there are other performers who will have, say, four CDs, two of which were done in a studio with a full band, mm-hmm. maybe the same songs even, mm-hmm. and then one or two CDs where it's this type of recording. Right to allow the person to choose between the two. So I think that's a great well, idea. Well, in, in fact, I've got, I've got a, couple, um, a couple of CDs that are just me and guitar. I, I did them specifically uh, to reproduce my live sound. It's mm-hmm. me, guitar, a little harmonica perhaps, period, that's it. Um, and my, my wife uh, sort of does merch for me uh, and and talks to customers a lot of times uh, at at gigs, and I know she's had people come up to her and ask, well, what are these CDs like? And when they were told that, oh, this one sounds exactly like what what mm-hmm. you just heard live, that was it for them. That's what they That's wanted. That's what they wanted, you know? right? Just voice and guitar, and you know, because I liked that. So, well, let's figure out who the last to know is. Okay, because <laughs> that's the title. It's not the last to know. It's last to last know to is know. the actually the first cut on the the EP. The um, but I'm playing it fi- in, as the final reverse, cut. Yeah. Last to know. Quick summary. Okay, um, that song. Uh, if if anyone has my record and and you do from from the year 2000, that song is actually is a little test for you, a little puzzle. You can go back and, and figure out. That song was actually on that record um, 20-some years ago now. Um, is that Small Town? But in a... Uh, no, that, that's um, So It Goes. So It Goes. Okay. So It Goes. Um, but in, in a much, much different well, when I, format. <laughs> when I, I saw the title, I went, gosh, that seems familiar. familiar. And, and I'm listening to it, and then you started to sing it, and I'm thinking... A little deja vu here, but not 100%. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So now it, you've cleared it's, it up for okay. me. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's clear it up for everybody else. <laughs> It's got a little show I've seen it one too many times I don't know what I hope to find I think I'll be the last in the world to know There's a fire in my soul This world wants to be so hard Reaching to put out the light There's a longing deep inside Must be some way for my tears to dry I think I'll be the last in the world to know A 
look for something I can do Where my hopes and dreams are all I have to another one yeah <laughs> well you that song more so than the other three has your signature oh. harmonica sound to it uh, okay. when it comes in in the beginning right. oh, i know who's playing that harmonica oh, no kidding wow yeah. and now what is the general when you're about a third of the way in mm-hmm. there's a boom chord oh yeah what is that I'm probably capoed there, so I uh, I can't tell you the exact key, but that sounds to me like it's probably an uh, A minor seventh form at mm-hmm. least, um, which is played with like four fingers pulled. Um, oh, on the right hand, yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. But it's, it's a nice contrast because you've had that kind of groove going, and then all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> and then the percussion. Because you don't add bass to a whole lot of your your there's, tunes. There's bass on every song on here, but it's it's pretty the, much back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't have a bass here uh, for for the longest time, and now I do again. So yeah. yeah. But what you do with the percussion there is it makes it sound like you have an upright bass that you're oh, slapping. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. You know how oh, that, that yeah, sound when they yeah. slap it has yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it hits the fretboard. Exactly. I like that. So <laughs> now, how could someone go about? purchasing either the CD, physical CD, yep. or downloads? Um, you can, for physical CDs, I don't have anything online right now, but uh, um, you can go to my website, which is dawilcox.com, and uh, purchase, download, or uh, get in touch with me via the website, and I can get you a physical CD. Um, downloads are also available on Bandcamp. Dot com uh, and just search my name there. Um, right now, those are the two. Uh, those are the two spots for for purchasing. Um, I don't necessarily encourage streaming, but the, all the music is is there uh, on all the typical streaming platforms mm-hmm. as well. Um, the few times I have used Bandcamp, and I for some reason. 
when someone mentioned Bandcamp mm. before I had actually gone to anyone's mm-hmm. Bandcamp mm-hmm. camp site, I just thought it was one of these leftover sites from oh, 20 years ago. Like MySpace, yeah. yeah. And then I can't remember who, it might have been T. Edwin Doss. Mm-hmm. And I was searching for one of his songs and I didn't have it on, on CD. Mm-hmm. And I've got a collection of his CDs. And his name came up and up pops Bandcamp. And I'm thinking, well, this is terrific. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't even really. There are there are national artists who won't put all their catalog on Bandcamp, but every now and then a special pro- project, you know, the, you'll see. Um, oh, I don't know. I'll, I'm not saying he's on Bandcamp, but let's say you'll see a David Crosby or something mm-hmm. who decided to put uh, a song or or a, or a short project up. It's just another way to get your music out to people. Uh, 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 there are lots of folks who uh, search Bandcamp for new music. Oh. You know. Oh. So, yeah. Well, I've had fun. Hopefully you have too. I have. I have. And Thank I really so do, as much as I love doing the podcast from the comfort of my studio. Yeah. Because I've got the, one of those swing studio arms, you know, and I feel <laughs> like I'm a professional. I have to admit that doing it on location like we are today yeah. in your dining room. Yeah. Yeah. It is fun. It's it's a different, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with this nice little mixer I have, it sounds I good. I love that. So, but thank you very much. And uh, please thank Abby for allowing me to take a place at the I, dining room I table. I ask her, she, for, for, for listeners, uh, my wife is uh, upstairs in her office. She's been working at home for a year and a half. And uh, yeah, she... Uh, she gave me the green light for <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank her for me, and uh, thank you, Doug. And we're going to leave the show with another listen to Salamanders, okay. just because I love it. There you go. And thank you, folks, for listening to the Wispy Mop Music Acoustic Radio Podcast Series. It's produced by me, Todd Millinitial C. Walker. Yes, that's right, it's me. Sometimes from my studio, most of the time in my studio from Frederick, Maryland, or on location. Thanks so much for listening. You can find it on either wispymopmusic.podbean.com or on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts. And here is Salamanders. With the click. 